Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Wednesday. Today's December the 20th. Have you been a good little boy or girl this year? I sure hope so. You better watch out. You better not cry. Donald Trump's election chances. Well, <laughs> what rhymes with cry? I don't know. I'm not prepared for this. This is all extemporaneous, as you know. I'm Austin Peterson, the host of the Wake Up America show. Do me a favor, will you click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you enjoy the content that you're listening to and hearing today, we'd love to have you come back and join us. The show schedule is this, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, two-hour live stream. It's like an awesome television talk show, only with fewer commercials, better guests, better topics, and lots more fun. Great. Let's rock and roll. Donald Trump removed from Colorado's election ballot for being an accused, not convicted, insurrectionist. We're going to talk about that this morning. Um, Good morning to Bayferg, joining us for the first time over here on the Rumble channel. What's up, Bayferg? Says, first time checking out the show. Also, you know my sister, Brenna. Brenna, Brenna, Brenna. I've known a few Brennas in my lifetime. Which Brenna are we talking about here? Glad to have you here, Brayferg. Bayferg, welcome to the show. Bferg. Bferg? <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. You'll have to let us know. We always love seeing new names and faces here. Hopefully you'll come back and join us for the regular schedule. We're going to talk to Greg Heller this morning at 7.30 a.m. He's a Republican strategist about Donald Trump being removed from the Colorado ballot. We're going to be covering that story this morning as much as we can. I've got, of course, some great clips for you. Uh, uh, the president's reaction to the news, as well as some pundits online. I've also got some MSN and MSNBC clips, so you can hear what the leftists are saying about it and their political opinions. At 8 o'clock this morning, since it's Wednesday, you know what it's going to be. Judge Napolitano here for Big Brain Time. The Big Brain. He's going to join us this morning at 8 o'clock. We're going to talk to Blue Drake, our sky high. Exactly. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, my brain's just barely working. I've only had just a little bit of my delicious coffee this morning. What am I drinking today, Steffi? Uh, oh, Jeffersonian Java today. Did you guys see my my beautiful, delicious coffees there? Jeffersonian Java. Yeah, today's the light roast day. So um, brah, 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 brah. we're going to talk to Judge Napolitano at eight o'clock. We're going to talk to him about the Colorado case. And then I want to hear from the judge on his thoughts on apparently the Epstein client list is going to be released. I know a lot of people are feeling like, No, God! Not happy no, today. No, God, please, no! No! Jeffrey no! Epstein's client no! list. Uh, what do you think the chances are that they'll actually release it? I actually feel a little dubious about it because the judge has said that he's given like a week for there to be appeals process for the names that are listed on there, which just to me strikes me as odd. We're going to talk about that this morning with Judge Napolitano, uh, and we'll hear his thoughts on that at 8 o'clock this morning. It's going to be a great one. Uh, Stephanie is reminding me, you made your coffee last night, so she's not sure. Yes, I did. It's Jeffersonian Java today. Uh, was he going to win Colorado anyways, asked Quest. Um, doesn't blue Denver now dominate the state? Yes, but we're talking about the primary ballot here, Quest. So Donald Trump would win the Republican primary, but obviously he probably is going to win the lose the general election in Colorado eventually. So they're throwing him off the primary ballot, which is a big problem. Oh, yeah. Brenna, Miss Miss Precocious. Yes, we know Miss Precocious. Yes, we do. 
Uh, yes, we all are friends with Miss Precocious. Yes, we appreciate that very much. Glad that you joined us today. We're glad to have you, B-Ferg. Uh, at 8.30 a.m. this morning, we're going to speak to Patrick Hedger, who we haven't talked to in a while. Apparently, everybody's freaking out on Capitol Hill about the purchase of U.S. Steel, America's struggling steel manufacturer, by Nippon Steel, which Nippon, by the way, is the word for how about Sunrise Land? It's the land of Japan. Am I correct? Am I right? Am I right? Of course it is. Nippon is what Japanese call Japan. How about Sunrise Land? Yes, the land of the rising sun. There is a house in New Orleans. They call it the rising sun. And it's been the ruin of many a steel company. Thank God we know Nippon Steel. Nippon Steel's going to be buying it up. But not if J.D. Vance or John Fetterman have anything to do with it. It's this stupid economic nationalists and economic nationalism, which is really national socialism. And from an economic perspective, no, I'm not calling them Nazis. I'm saying that it's it's a fascistic way to run the economy, that the government can tell a company that they can't sell their business to someone, especially when they can't run the business very well. But it's all this Oh, we got to protect these jobs for American working man and all this stuff. America is a developer nation, right? It's a good thing that people in the United States are moving up their way up to better jobs, to more jo to jobs where they have, you know, better conditions, less a chance of having their hands cut off, right? We, it's perfectly fine for us to take industries that we are not good at running and letting someone else run them and do what we do best, which is make even more money and be more beautiful and become the enlightened, beautiful people of the world. But no, we must have these jobs for these people. It's this elitist view. It's ironically, it's so elitist as to say, oh, well, we have to have these jobs for Americans. And this is what Woodrow Wilson, this is Wood, Woodrow Wilson's view of society, when he, especially when he looked at public education. This idea we need to protect these jobs, specifically these jobs in the United States. Plenty of other jobs that they're not. Politicians aren't going to protect these journalist jobs from getting fired at Vice Magazine, they're not going to protect these jobs or that jobs. They're going to have favored political status. And yeah, we know that the unions have a lot to do with this, right? So they're going to be the ones who are going to be primarily the pushers to try and protect these jobs. But it's this elitist view of, well, there's all, um, Americans, certain types of Americans can only do certain types of jobs, right? It's this kind of like, looking down the nose of of workers and saying oh yes we have to protect these jobs because there's only some there's only people can only do certain types of work so we have to protect these jobs here in the united states you see because people are can only pull the levers and they can't develop applications and they're not intelligent enough to go out and run the machines and the software and the apps i had some guy yesterday trying to explain to me how much more important factory worker jobs were than app than applications that we that it's more important for us to produce stuff than it is to produce applications and i'm like first of all applications an app is just software and i promise you that there is not a factory in this country that can run without software software underpins everything that happens in this country so it's just economic ignorance just ignorance in general and it's this whole like you know, it's you know what it is. Everybody's seen South Park, right? It's you know what I'm saying. I hate it. No, 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 no. That's not how we run things here. Uh, we're gonna run things with big brain time. We're glad to have you here on the Wake Up America Show. Click like and subscribe. Don't forget. You can also text the show and let us know what's on your mind at five seven three three one nine. Uh, one five eight six. Again, that's five seven three, 
319-1586 is the text line. We want to hear from you. Did you guys hear? Are you probably if you're watching me over on um over on uh Twitter that we are almost sold out of gnomes? Can you believe it? Don't panic. We've got four left. And one of them is sitting right there on that table. So I don't know if we're going to order more because once you get a gnome, you've got the gnome and you don't want more gnomes. Maybe you do want more gnomes. But at this point in time, I bought 20 gnomes because I thought people were like demanding gnomes. So we have four garden gnomes left. And when they're gone, they're gone. They might be gone by the end of this show. So if you said to yourself, I kind of wanted the, the gnome, the assault gnome with the machine gun. You better get your gnome right now uh, at AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP, the number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. Head over there right now because it'll probably be gone by the end of the show if you wanted one of the assault gnomes uh, for your garden. There you go. Okay, so it looks like you guys are having a nice conversation about Japan. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Donald Trump responded, reacted to the push uh, to get him off the Colorado ballot, which was successful, may probably go to the Supreme Court, probably going to happen fast, uh, at a speech that he gave last night. Take a look. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy, a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. It's yes, no- they are. Um, I like this uh, article over at the Babylon Bee. It says, Colorado saves democracy by not allowing people to vote for a preferred candidate. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. In a heroic effort to save American democracy, the Colorado Supreme Court has voted to prevent residents of Colorado from voting for their preferred candidate. I love democracy, and this is why we had to vote to overrule the millions of Colorado citizens who want to elect Trump through the democratic process, said Colorado Justice and white woman Melissa Hart after the vote. Trump is a terrifying orange man. And if he's elected, he will likely grow to over 50 feet and rampage through the country, killing people with laser eyes. Our democracy is too precious for us to allow that to happen. Thank you, Babylon B. <laughs> uh, very funny. We're uh, glad to have the Babylon B in our lives. What would we do without the Babylon B? Aren't we also thankful that Elon Musk brought them back? Thank you, Elon. Remember when they got banned from Twitter? Urz Mommy reminds us that we are not a democracy. We appreciate that very much. Oh, oh, Urz Mommy, she got her uh, her coffee. Hey, she's brewing it right now. Hey, let me ask you, Urz Mommy, doesn't it smell delicious? Isn't it <laughs> amazing? It probably smells so good. The first time you smell Founding Flavors coffee from the AP for Liberty shop, it's just like, heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to find the happiness I seek when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. Uh, LJ Waseshka says, Austin, you must have been a fan of Bain Capital Romney, who bought out many industries, laid off workers and sold their equipment to China. Um, I mean, I'm not happy when people lose their job, but I'll just tell you something. It's, you know, stop putting all of the burden on the people who create jobs in this country, Right. Like the homeless guy on the street corner is not giving you a job. Okay. Right. It's people like Nippon Steel who are going to keep those jobs mostly here in the United States who are giving you jobs. People like us 
Like I, I have one employee and it's my wife. Okay. I hope to hire more, but if I can't afford to hire employees, I can't afford to hire employees. That's just what it is. You, we make it impossible for people to hire in this country. And then we blame the, the business owners for firing people when we make it damn near impossible to hire people here. So, you know, stop blaming the business owners for what's happening here. Blame, I blame the government. It's not people like Mitt Romney, other than his job in government. It's people who have, it's people who are voting, <laughs> ironically, using democracy to try and protect jobs, which ends up, ends up destroying jobs. And it always, the laws are always written to favor the big guys because the big guys, they don't love capitalism. They don't want competition. They always write the laws to protect themselves and screw the little guys. People like myself who are just trying to get things going. Maggie1874 loves the singing. Good morning to you, Maggie. You think that's good singing? Wait until Stephanie and I this Friday doing our Christmas karaoke. Are you guys excited? We're going to be doing a little. We always do once a year a Christmas telethon where we sing Christmas songs together. And so this Friday when Stephanie comes on the show, we're going to have a little bit more singing and hopefully we'll raise a little bit of money. Ah, coffee. C.W. Hyatt. Yes, I will rise now and make a pot. Hopefully you will try some delicious Founding Flavors coffee from the shop. Uh, Martha's Mint, yes, almost gone. Don't forget, it's almost out of here. Check it out, ap4libertyshop.com. All right, Donald Trump is not the only one weighing in on the uh, getting tossed off the ballot in Colorado. Uh, I pulled up some more clips as well. Vivek Ramaswamy has uh, announced that he will not participate in the Colorado primary if Donald Trump is not on the ballot. President Trump from the Colorado ballot using an unconstitutional maneuver that is a bastardization of the 14th Amendment to our U.S. Constitution. This was a provision, Section 3, that was designed to bar Confederate members, people who switched to the Confederacy, from actually being able to serve. That's very different than what's at issue here, to say the least. This is a hollowed-out husk of what the country was built on. The basic principle that we, the people, select our leadership, not the unelected elite class in the back of palace halls. That's old-world Europe, not the United States. That's why I'm making a pledge today that I will withdraw, I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing. Now, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. He's my favorite candidate in this race, but it's a little. I mean, come on. I mean, listen, I agree with you, Vivek, and that's bold and that's brave. I mean, he is at one percent. He is the one percent in the in the polls, but and it is a brave thing to do. But I mean, it just kind of lends credence to the people who are like, he's just a Trump ass kisser. Well, that's probably a good idea because Trump's going to win and he might name Vivek as his VP or perhaps his press secretary or, you know, head of comms or something like that. But anyways, I like Vivek. I'm just teasing him. But yeah, or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. I refuse to be complicit in that. I think what they're doing is wrong. And I think it's up to Republicans to step up and stand up with a spine for our country's future. That's really what's at stake. Whether we, the people, actually have a say in deciding who leads this country. Yes, it would be easier. Maggie1874 says Vivek still hasn't said that the election in 2020 was stolen. Actually, Maggie, he has said that. And I played that clip on my show recently. It may have been last week he did say that in i believe the cnn town hall 
Uh, I can't remember where he said it, but I do have that clip somewhere. I'll try and find it for you, Maggie. But he Dear did for say other that. Republicans like me who are running in this race to say, hey, if Trump is sidelined. There's our opportunity. No doubt other candidates are probably privately celebrating with their corporate sponsors. Opportunity. No doubt. Other not Chris, not not Chris Christie, actually. Chris Christie was uh, came out and, and blasted the decision as well. Chip Roy of Texas did, too, even though. Donald Trump was out saying that Chip Roy should be primary. Chip Roy came out and said that this was unconstitutional and wrong. Privately celebrating with their corporate sponsors. Maybe Nikki Haley, maybe Ron DeSantis, but I, I, I haven't seen a DeSantis or Haley statement on this. Maybe you have. That's Let not the know. right thing to do. I think the most useful thing that every GOP candidate can do right now is to join me in that pledge. I'll say that I will withdraw from that Colorado GOP primary ballot until Trump's name is restored. This belongs to the people, not to the unelected Democratic cabal of judges in Colorado or any other state. And I demand He's that good. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie do the same thing, or else they're complicit in what this security state is trying to do to shut down Trump. Damn, that's good. Good stuff. Maggie1874 says, oh, I must have missed that. Yes, I, I will try and find that clip for you if I can this morning at some point. I've got a lot of guests and a lot of content, so I may not get to it. But I have a text line, Maggie, and if you ever want to like fact check anything that I say on this show, and you're like, hey, Austin, where did you find that out? I always provide uh, my sources and my resources. As a matter of fact, this week, everybody was texting me because I said that I had a PDF of all of Donald Trump's accomplishments while he was in office, and everybody was texting me asking me for that. So I'm always happy to provide my sources. I just might not be able to do it to the show during the show because obviously I'm producing, I'm writing, I'm directing, and I'm acting, and I'm singing, and I'm dancing, and I'm drinking delicious coffee. Uh, that apparently Urs mommy needs to get on the subscription plan for. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You can get a subscription to our coffee uh, every two weeks, every one month, two months, uh, or three months to have it delivered right to your door, so you never run out of delicious Founding Flavors coffee. We're going to speak to Greg Keller of the Republican Party of Missouri about the Trump case in about 10 minutes. I'm looking forward to having him on. But you know what? Just for, you know, shits and gigs, if you will, let's hear from MSNBC and what their experts are saying about the Colorado Supreme Court disqualifying Trump from the GOP primary the ballot. Colorado Take a listen. Supreme Court um, ruling that Donald Trump has now been disqualified from being on the primary ballot for the GOP. Again, this breaking news out of Colorado. Donald Trump, as we know, um, is now was fighting to be able to be on that primary ballot. The uh, Colorado Supreme Court now issuing a 200 something page opinion that we've just got. And we're going to go back to Christy Christy Greenberg and Hugo Lowell. I know, guys, you haven't had a chance to look at it. We're looking at it right now. It's 217 pages. But, Christy, I want to start with you on this particular issue. This is not the first state. Get ready. They're going to lie to you. There's going to be a lot of BS now. That there's been an attempt to be able to disqualify Trump being able to be on the ballot. But what's intriguing about it is that it's now being done in a way where the judicial system is having a say in terms of whether or not somebody can be on a ballot. Your thoughts about what we're hearing coming out of Colorado at this time? Well, it's, it is an interesting decision because the Colorado district judge, uh, Sarah Wallace, last month when she made her decision, she had a really puzzling decision where she found, based on the evidence, that Trump had engaged in insurrection 
but essentially said, well, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it doesn't apply to presidents. He's, he's not an officer uh, such that it applies to him, which was a really odd result. So when that was appealed, I think a lot of people had been scratching their heads and thought the appeal was appropriate. And, you know, I haven't read the basis of this, but it sounds like at least the Colorado Supreme Court said no. Actually, if he engaged in insurrection, yes, he is an officer and the 14th Amendment would apply to him. It would be a perverse result otherwise he, to have it applied. Uh, what happened to innocent until proven guilty? Boo. I like what Maggie1874, our new friend this morning, calls it. Camirado instead of Colorado. Camirado. Very funny. To members of Congress and others in lower elected officials and not to the presidents of the United States. So it sounds like Colorado Supreme Court got it right in finding that this should apply to. Did they, did they get it right, the crazy eyes? Presumably uh, determines that the factual findings of the district court and finding that he engaged in, in the insurrection were, were upheld. So it is it is a result that is interesting. Uh, it is a result that seems like the right result. The big question will be whether or not it holds, because this is surely going to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I have a lot less confidence that the U.S. Supreme Court will will decide that Donald Trump should be disqualified from the ballot, given that conservative majority on that court. Uh... So I think so, I, right about, I, I like the way I like the way that this Ty Cobb guy uh, nails it here in seven seconds. Um, so to this. I think this case will be handled quickly. I think it could be nine zero in the Supreme Court for Trump. Uh, um, so I think this case will be handled quickly. I think it could be nine zero in the Supreme Court. There it is. Uh, I think this case can be handled quickly. It's going to be nine zero in the Supreme Court. Yeah, they're going to have to take this up. Here's the thing. <laughs> Even if Donald Trump is thrown off of the primary ballot, right, here's the thing. So a lot of people don't understand the difference between a primary and a caucus. Uh, what the Republican Party can do and p most likely will do if the decision to uh, uh, keep Trump off the primary ballot is upheld for whatever reason is the Republican Party of Colorado can cancel the primary and can hold a caucus here in Missouri. We are going to have a caucus, not a primary. A primary is when you show up on the day of the election, you cast your ballot, and then you go home. A caucus is when you have to go spend pretty much all day at uh, your local high school auditorium or gym, and you have to actually do real democracy, meaning you have to actually convince your lo local friends and neighbors of who you want your candidate to be. And I'm actually excited for Missouri's caucus because I, I like the idea that because you're supposed to when the founding fathers created the United States's electoral system, they made it so that people who showed up, people who who just show up to vote once every four years, don't have as much say in what happens with our country as people who are actively engaged with politics. Right. It's not a, a system that rewards people who just vote and then go home. And that's what a primary is. But a caucus means you actually have to show up, talk to your neighbors, and everybody votes, and then you go through two or three rounds of balloting. And once people have been eliminated on the bottom end of the pile, you you can then switch your vote to somebody else uh, and go and say, I want to, okay, well, Vivek Ramaswamy is not going to win, so I'm going to switch my vote to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Donald Trump or what have you. Uh, and you have to actually talk to the people in your community about the issues that you're facing. And 
why your candidate is better and people give speeches and people do a little arm twisting. I like that because that means that you actually are engaged, you are informed, and you have to you have to be a part of your community's electoral process. So I'm really looking forward to um, to our caucus here in the state of Missouri. Uh, what do you guys think about it? So, so there you go. So, and here's the thing: a primary is paid for by the taxpayers. A caucus is paid for by the political party. That is superior. It's better that political parties, if they want to be private entities, that they are not paid for by the by the taxpayers. So. I think a caucus is superior for that reason as well, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. C.W. Hyatt weighed in and said, Minnesota used to be a caucus state and that was way better. You know what's funny is the reason why Missouri changed from being a, um, the reason why Missouri changed from being a primary state, a caucus state to a primary state for a while, and now we're back to caucus, is because of Ron Paul supporters. Because in 2012, when Ron Paul was running for president here in Missouri, Ron Paul supporters took over the caucuses and the Republican Party of Missouri was like, we are not going to nominate Ron Paul. We want, who was it? Mitt Romney at that time? Yeah, we it's got to be Mitt Romney. We have to rig the caucuses to ensure that Mitt Romney wins uh, in order to prevent the Ron Paul supporters from electing a principal candidate who might actually limit government here in the country. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So the Republican Party of Missouri changed the rules and made it a primary. And then once they got tired of the primaries, now the Republican Party of Missouri is going back to a caucus. So we're going to have a presidential caucus here in the state of Missouri. And that's because all the, the threat of Ron Paul is over. You know, they just they no, can't they can't God. stand limited government. No, God, please. No, no, no. Yes. Where no. Camellia says she's conflicted on the caucus, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Camellia. What do you think? Why are you conflicted on the caucus? I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Jews and Sabbath keepers can't caucus. Ooh, that is a problem. Mm. Not sure how to solve that one. So you guys are just going to have to weigh in. And we'll have to hear from Greg Keller. He's called the Dark Prince of Missouri. He's a Republican strategist. Going to be joining us next to talk about this Colorado decision when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's nice to see all the hundreds of people who are tuning in to us live this morning. I know people are really excited to have a conversation about this topic. And boy, we got some great guests for you as well. Do me a favor, price of admission to this show is almost free. All you gotta do is click that like button. And if it's your first time here and you're enjoying the content, just subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America show. We'd love to make your acquaintance. Drop a comment in the chat. You can also send us a text message and let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open and I answer those texts night or day. Any questions you may have, any topics you might think we should cover or any guests you'd like to see on the show, the text lines are open, 573-319-1586. All right, do you guys remember when George W. Bush said we had to abandon the free market to save the free market? Well, apparently Democrats are taking a page out of that playbook and that they are abandoning democracy to save democracy. Donald Trump has been thrown off of the Colorado primary ballot. I thought they loved democracy. Let's talk to the dark prince of secrecy in the state of Missouri. Greg Keller is a Republican strategist, and he's joining us here live right now. Merry Christmas, Greg. 
Christmas, Austin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what a gift that the Colorado uh, uh, Democrats have given to Donald Trump, wouldn't you say? Totally. I think this is going to absolutely redound to to President Trump's credit when he is on the ballot next year. I do expect him to be the Republican nominee. I expected that before what happened yesterday. But I certainly think that this is going to be seen by your average American voter as clear election interference. I think it's going to help President Trump. From a legal perspective, I hope and think that this is going to be reversed at the Supreme Court. Although, you know, some people think it's going to be a 9-0 decision. I will remind them that the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court is John Roberts, who always finds a way to kind of try to split the baby and make the liberals and the Democrats happy so we can go to cocktail parties in Washington, D.C. So I'm hopeful about how this is going to turn out, but a little bit leery just because of John Roberts personally. No, for sure. And, you know, I, I don't I agree with you. I don't know that it's going to be a 9-0 decision. But I do think that the Supreme Court's going to step in on our side on this one and do the right thing. Don't you think? I think they're going to have to. Um, issues like this, efforts like this, cases like this have been put forward, not just in Colorado, but in a whole lot of Democrat states. I think this is going to force the Supreme Court's hand. I think they're going to not only have to rule on this. I think they're going to have to be, have to do it on an expedited schedule. Could be as early as early January. But yeah, this is going to force their hand and they're going to have to rule on this one way or the other. So this is a decision that was made by the Colorado Supreme Court. Their argument is that Donald Trump is ineligible to appear on the ballot mm -hmm. because he the disqualification comes under the 14th Amendment related to January 6th. Why is that invalid? Uh, well, First of all, let's remember the 14th Amendment was passed in 1866 under Andrew Johnson, who most people agree is probably one of the 10 worst presidents in American history. This is the man who completely bungled Reconstruction after the assassination of, of President Lincoln. If any of your viewers had it on their bingo card for Democrats to go full Andrew Johnson this week in an attempt to keep Donald Trump out of the presidency, congrats, I need to send you your winnings. Um, what this envisioned, the reason that the 14th Amendment was passed in the first place was because the U.S. was trying to figure out a way to deal with people who had fought in the Civil War, particularly generals and the like, and determine what to do with them. Austin, the 14th Amendment does not mention that this in any way, shape or form applies to the president of the United States. That's not what it was intended for. The, pre the word president appears nowhere in the 14th Amendment. This is just a desperate grasping at straws by Democrats. This is a dangerous time, Austin, as ridiculous as this is from a legal perspective. But I, I will remind your viewers that the that the liberals and the Democrat Party most recently shut down the entire world economy over a seasonal coronavirus with an infection fatality rate of zero point one percent. They did that because they were worried that Donald Trump was going to become president of the United States. They, if anyone out there thinks that Democrats or liberals will not push this to the utmost to try to prevent Republicans and independent Americans from voting from Donald Trump, I would tell them that they are being naive. Quite naive indeed. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. I'm speaking to Greg Keller. He's a Republican strategist from my home state of Missouri. We do broadcast the show here live from Jefferson City, Missouri. Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Today's topic of the show is Donald Trump being thrown off of the Colorado primary ballot. Now, there are some ways to fight against this. One is to go to the Supreme Court, which is what we expect. That's the most likely outcome. But I'm hearing that some Republican candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy, possibly even Chris Christie, may not participate in the primary if he's not on it. 
And then the Republican Party can also do something like just cancel the primary and hold a caucus. Am I right? Yeah, they can do that. Um, I, I would point out that Donald Trump does extremely well in caucuses. He actually does better in caucuses than he does in primaries because caucuses rely more heavily on the grassroots of the party. And Donald Trump has, at this point, almost an unshakable grasp on the grassroots of, of this party. So if our hand were forced to do that and it were to go to a caucus, that would simply end up benefiting Donald Trump more, which is which is really more of the same from this situation. From a legal standpoint, there is every likelihood that this thing that this ruling is going to be thrown out on its ear and probably laughed at in court filings from the Supreme Court when that happens. Um, you know, Austin, it just makes you wonder, um, do Democrats really want to face Donald Trump? I think they do, because I think their plan as of this point is to put Donald Trump in jail. Um, I think they want to I, I think they realize that they have probably the least popular president in the history of the United States and Joe Biden. The economy has, is in shambles under him. The world is on fire under him, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's uh, the Israeli uh, conflict going on now. I think they realize I think they are very politically savvy and I think they realize what a prone, difficult and nearly impossible situation they are in politically now. I think they realize their only chance, their, their greatest likelihood of holding on to the presidency is to do what they can to make sure Donald Trump is the nominee and then put him in jail. I think they are going to put Donald Trump in jail. That would have sounded like a conspiracy theory a year, two years, five years ago. It is not anymore. I think that's what they're planning to do, which is why I think we're in pretty dark and serious times right now, given what the Democrats are willing to do to win this next election. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to um, speaking to my next guest, Judge Napolitano, about the legal consequences of that. We have been having these conversations about what might happen. And I think the judge has said that he thinks that it's possible the Supreme Court might stay his his jail time until after his term would be over and then he would have to report to jail. But it is an actual true constitutional crisis. I mean, it's it's almost as if the Democrats really are trying to stir up Republicans to violence. It, it's like they're trying to to it's like they're trying to stir people up for an insurrection so that they can continue to jail their political opponents. Am I off base here? No, not at all. And Democrats themselves have a long history of insurrection. If anyone thinks that January 6th was an insurrection and that Republicans were responsible for it, I would remind them of of Scott Walker era uh, Wisconsin when and when he was passing uh, labor reforms. That was an insurrection. You had people living in the state capitol for weeks on end assaulting state senators and state representatives on a daily basis. That went on for months, defecating in the hallways, acts of vandalism. Um, the Democrats wrote the playbook on what an insurrection actually is. And how many of those people, by the way, went to jail? Uh, just about zero of them. So I don't think we really need to take any lessons in what is and what is not from the Democrat Party who authored that in Wisconsin, who burned down every major American city over the course of a summer, I fear and think that's going to happen again this summer, by the way, because Democrats answer to rational governance is chaos. I think CJ824 over on the Rumble stream has it right when she says 2024 is going to be wild. Yes, it is. It's going to be pretty crazy. On a side note, uh, Greg, what do you make of the young Vivek Ramaswamy? He's out there going to bat for Donald Trump. He's kind of been out there uh, taking his side on things. Do you like Vivek or what are your thoughts on him? I think outside of Donald Trump, I think Vivek has run the single best um, campaign of of the presidential election cycle thus far. I think he's charismatic. He's clearly Im impressive. He's bright. Um, he 
people love him, that fact that he's an outsider, that he's uh, a self-made, a self-made man who's, who's become very wealthy and a huge um, American success story. I think the primary mistake that people have made in running against Donald Trump was thinking that Donald Trump could be beat in this primary. Um, I love Ron DeSantis as a governor. I think he's the finest governor in America. Looking back on it now, I don't think there was ever any real possibility that Donald Trump was not going to win this primary, especially now that the Democrats are going after him using every legal tool in the toolbox that they have. I don't think Donald Trump was ever going to be stopped from winning this nomination. I think Vivek realizes that. I don't think Nikki Haley realizes that. I don't think Chris Christie realizes that. Uh, I don't think Ron DeSantis realizes that. But they're kind of caught in this vortex where they believe that Donald Trump can be beat and he just can't. So what has Vivek done? He has slipped into the Donald Trump slipstream. He has built a huge name for himself, is raising impressive money, is going to go on to bigger and better things in the world of politics if he so chooses. So I think he's run a great campaign. He's a very impressive candidate. What happened to Ron DeSantis? I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about him personally. I mean, I have some quibbles here and there with some policy matters. But that campaign, I mean, maybe it never had a chance, like you said. But I mean, listen, you and I, we know Jeff Rowe. We know him from running mm-hmm. campaigns here in the state of Missouri. When he when he walks away from the super PAC like that, I mean, we're talking about an implosion. We're talking about, I mean, he fell out of the gate, boom, plop on his face. And it's only been, I mean, nothing but like you know, cow manure the entire campaign. What happened there? Is, is this Jeff Rowe's fault? Is this DeSantis's fault? You know, uh, is this a you you know consultants better than anybody? What the hell happened? This is not Jeff Rowe's fault. I mean, Jeff is is the finest political operative of our generation and a native Missourian and a friend. I'd say a couple things. Number one, Ron DeSantis was better positioned to win this Republican presidential primary than any candidate since George W. Bush in 2000. Remember what George W. Bush did? He had huge majorities in his home state of Texas. He was telling a story about how he was winning the Hispanic, winning percentage of the Hispanic vote that no Republicans had ever done before. Um, he raised a tremendous amount of money, was just an absolute juggernaut. Ron DeSantis was the exact same version. That's how high he was in terms of his ability to try to win this thing. At the end of the day, though, Austin, this is a good reminder for politics. It all rises and falls on candidate quality. And while Ron DeSantis is a tremendous governor, and I agree with virtually everything he has done there, and so do Republican primary voters, he doesn't have, unfortunately, the personality or the charisma to win people over in a presidential primary. Running statewide is one thing. Running for president of the United States is a completely different beast. Nothing prepares you for it. And I just don't think he had the charisma or the personality or the personal likability, magnetism, anywhere near that Donald Trump has. Yeah, the Riz, the Riz. That's what I've been saying. He doesn't have the Riz, yep. my man. And DeSantis supporters, man, talk about delusional, right? I've been writing columns in Jack Posobiec's magazine, Human Events, about his online supporters and how you know they turn away a candidate. I, I remember my 2018 U.S. Senate run. I told my supporters every day, you know, be you know, be good emissaries of the campaign. Go out there and and don't fight with people. Try and be positive. Don't punch down, et cetera. And I think that we had a you know a, a fairly strong showing for a you know a non you know non Christian uh, liber, former libertarian Republican here in the state of Missouri with fifty five thousand votes. But DeSantis is getting creamed because I think in large part his campaign really turns people off with their approach. It's so hostile and so negative. And I know people say, well, what about Trump? What about Trump? What about Trump? 
But I mean, I feel as if DeSantis supporters are completely unaware of how they are being perceived. And yes, Twitter is not real life, but it's been a pretty overwhelmingly negative campaign, I would say. Not a positive, optimistic one for fu- for the for the future of, the, of America. Am I right or wrong or somewhere in between? I, I I fear that that you're right. It's getting to the point now where it's more farce than anything else. I mean, when you are looking, when you are losing to Nikki Haley in the primary, that is, I'm sorry, I'm not a Nikki Haley fan. That is a pretty embarrassing place to be. Nikki Haley, they say never say never, Austin. Nikki Haley is never going to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States for a whole lot of reasons. I would argue primary amongst them is that she came out a couple weeks ago saying that she'd be just fine with genital mutilation of minors and allowing those decisions to be made by their families. That is that is the third rail of Republican primary politics today. I can't believe she touched it. I can't believe that she believes that. But the DeSantis campaign now finds themselves behind Nikki Haley, which is an embarrassing place to be. People are talking about Chris Christie, which is even more ludicrous than 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 Nikki Haley. So when you're being mentioned in the same breath as those two clowns, you and your campaign are in a very bad place. Oh, for sure. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm speaking to Greg Keller. He's a Republican strategist and an operative here in the state of Missouri. And it looks like our audience is really enjoying what they're hearing from you, saying it's awesome to know the intricacies of an election campaign, says Guapo Loco. You get the best guests and the best content here on the Wake Up America show. So do me a favor and click like and subscribe if you haven't already. Greg, um, so we talked about Donald Trump uh, being thrown off the Colorado ballot. We both agree that he's going to get back on it more than likely. This is just a a speed bump in his road. You think that he's going to go to jail. Um, Any predictions for 2024? Anything else? Any other sort of dark, you know, uh, dark horses that might be coming up or what do you call it? Black swan events that you might see coming that other people don't. Anything to look out for? Something that you'd like to point out that our audience should know? I'm I'm really worried about this summer. I, I worry we're going to have a summer of chaos. I worry that Antifa and all these communist leftist crazies are going to be in the street like they were last time we had an election cycle, burning down American cities, vandalizing businesses. We already see what they're doing. The Hamas and terrorism supporters supported by the squad in Missouri's own Cori Bush. Um, I think that I, I think that Antifa and which is the paramilitary arm of the Democrat Party, I believe that the paramilitary arm of the Democrat Party is going to be out in force this summer. I think they're going to be torching American cities. I'm very concerned about that. Um, I, I, I just think that there's no level, there, there, there's no basement, there's no lower level, there's no lower limit to the amount of chaos that modern Democrats are willing to sow in order to hold on to political power. And I would just button up your chin straps and hope for the best. But I'm, I'm, a, little, uh, I'm a little worried myself. Yeah, no, I agree, Greg. Is there uh, where can people follow you online and learn more about your work? You can find me on Twitter. It's at R Greg Keller. That's at R G R E G G K E L L E R. As you mentioned, Austin, I have been labeled by my hometown St. Louis Post Dispatch as the Dark Prince of Secrecy and a shameless propagandist by the Washington <laughs> Post. So your listeners should know that that's what they're getting when they check out my Twitter, as I think you know as well. The audience is loving it this morning. They feel like they're really getting a good inside view of what's happening in this campaign. Greg Keller, you're one of the best. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Thank you for being so generous with your time this morning. We appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. Merry Christmas. Thanks much. We appreciate that. What'd you guys think of Greg Keller? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573 573- 319-1586. The Wake Up America show is brought to part by my friends over at Lear Capital. It's time to do the gold and silver dance. Listen, when I started the Wake Up America show about a year and three or four months ago, 
this live stream, we had like 25 to 50 members of the audience who would tune in. We're not even on the front page of Rumble right now. We've got 217 people watching us live. Thank you. That means that even without Rumble promoting the show, we're still able to get a good number of people listening to the program. But back when we were nobodies, when there was no Founding Flavors Coffee, no Assault Garden Gnomes, no AP for Liberty Shop, there was me, the Wake Up America show, and my lovely wife, Steffi, and Camelia, and about 25 to 50 people. And that was it. And then Lear Capital stepped in and said, you know what? We know you're not famous, Austin, but we don't care. We love your show and we want to sponsor it. So thank you to Lear Capital. They've been with us pretty much since the beginning. Do you know how hard it is to get sponsors for a podcast these days? It ain't easy if you're not cheesy, right? If you're not like Logan Paul or one of these big influencers. But Lear Capital believes in freedom. They believe in economic freedom and personal liberty. And they love it when we do the gold dance and we tell you guys about their offerings. They have got an awesome free gold and silver packet available for you if you visit their website there at learaustin.com. If you're interested in learning more about how to invest in gold and silver, get that gold and silver information packet right there at learaustin.com. But here's the deal. If you're ready to invest in gold and silver and you want to start right now, start come out ahead of the game, you can get a $500 account credit if you give them a call at 1-800-885-2175. Yes, you can buy gold and silver with a $500 account credit to start if you call that number, say, hey, I heard about this offer on the Wake Up America show with Austin Peterson. Tell them I said hi. Tell them thank you for sponsoring the Wake Up America show because they have been one of the big reasons we've been able to keep the lights on here in the studio. That and Scott Fawn donating the studio space to us. <laughs> We're just a small operation and we uh, rely on our support from our sponsors and from viewers and listeners like you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. We appreciate you very much. All right. What else do we have for them today, Johnny, on the Wake Up America show? Oh, man, I had this really good clip from John Stossel where he's talking about electric cars, but I don't have time for it. I do have time for three minutes of Democrats, never Trump Republicans and the media assuring us that defying a congressional subpoena means that you belong in jail and no one is above the law. But Hunter Biden, of course, defied a congressional subpoena. People who refuse to comply with congressional subpoenas should be prosecuted by the Justice Department and at the end of the day go to jail? Yes. If you act deliberately with sneering, cavalier contempt for the American people and their representatives, we will hold you in contempt. In America, when you are subpoenaed to testify in court or in Congress, you show up, period. Interesting. The Democrats say that if you defy a congressional subpoena, you should belong in jail. And yet, Hunter Biden remains free. If we fail free. to hold C-Bannon accountable, that he will be the exception. He will become the rule. Either we are all equal before the law or none of us is. This is the essence of our democracy. Either we're all in this together, either the rule of law applies to everyone equally, um, or we lose out on a, a fundamental aspect of our democracy, that the rule of law applies to everyone and no one is above that law. Mr. Bannon stands alone. His complete defiance of our subpoena. Yes, so Steve Bannon defies a congressional subpoena. He should be in jail. Hunter Biden defies a congressional subpoena. Crickets. That's crickets. not acceptable. 
No one in this country. Hey, how's the coffee, Earth, mommy? No matter how wealthy or how powerful is above the law. And if he refuses uh, the subpoena, like we expect him to continue to do, uh, then we're left with no other choice than to ask the Justice Department, lock him ask, up. Why do they always say axe? It's ask, you goddamn moron. It's ask. The plain fact. He- These are people in charge in this country. Is that Mr. Bannon has no legal right to ignore the committee's lawful subpoena. Is that Nikki Haley in a wig and a blonde wig? Steve Bannon is just going to flout his nose at a congressional subpoena. Flout his nose. It's 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 thumb his nose to spite his face. You absolute detestable idiot. Say that it doesn't apply to me. Then he needs to be charged and he needs to be put in jail. Mr. Bannon's willful disregard for the select committee's subpoena demonstrates his utter contempt for the American people's vision that defies the rule of law and rejects the will of the American people. We're serious about this. And anybody that is either being subpoenaed now or will be in the future, uh, think twice before you reject a lawful order from Congress. Or anyone in the future, except for Hunter Biden. The law requires you to comply. No one. No one, no one is above the law. I sent people out. Really? Really? Oh, really? Don't tell me another joke. That ignored my subpoenas? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's how it's done. Child the sheriff? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's right. Would drive up to the house? Yes. And snatch your behind? (laughs) Yes. And put you in the jail while everybody (laughs) figured stuff out. Maybe that's what needs to happen. It does matter if the new normal is that if you're a Trump ally, you don't have to respond to subpoenas. It matters whether or not he feels safe defying the law here. Steve Bannon, who defied the committee with his sort of characteristic two-shirted uh, defiance, uh, told you guys to go take a long walk off a short pier. Um, what's the lesson here? The lesson is, uh, please tell your children out there in America, if you get a subpoena to go before Congress or you get a subpoena to go to the court, go. What's your message to people who defy congressional subpoenas on the January 6th committee? I hope that the committee goes after them and uh, holds them accountable. Should they be prosecuted by the I, Justice I do, Department? Yeah. Oh, they do, yes, they do. Should be prosecuted. Unless it's my son, Hunter Biden. No, then no, God. no. No, God, please, no, no. No, no, unless it's my no. son, Hunter Biden. And then it's perfectly fine to defy a congressional subpoena. Listen. We got a lot to talk about here. Judge Andrew Napolitano is going to be joining us here in five minutes. I'm going to go to a brief commercial break. But before I do, I want to remind you all that we are running out of gnomes. And number one, first of all, thank you to Rumble. Looks like we just made the front page. Thank you to Rumble.com. I underestimated gnome culture, garden gnome culture here in the United States. I know that sounds kind of weird, but just bear with me for just a moment. But apparently people really love garden gnomes. And so I bought 20 of them to sell on my shop. And I now have four of them left. So that's great. But it also means that if you want to get your garden gnome with machine gun. If you want to get a garden gnome with a machine gun, then I've got four of them and they'll probably be gone by the end of the show. So during the commercial break, I recommend that you head over to AP 
forlibertyshop.com and grab yourself a garden gnome and a box of founding flavors coffee as well while you're over there that's ap the number four ap forlibertyshop.com you can get some delicious coffee uh while i'm on the commercial break but uh we're going to talk to judge andrew napolitano coming up next about donald trump being thrown off of the colorado colorado ballot under the 14th amendment and we're going to talk to judge napolitano about what he thinks about the epstein case yes jeffrey epstein's clients will be named i guess all those conspiracy theory posts are going to be proven wrong because we're going to find out the list of clients or are we big brain time when we get back on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com good morning merry christmas Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Thank you to rumble.com for featuring us on the front page of the website. We love it when we see hundreds and hundreds of people tuning in live. It makes us so happy. Thank you. Thanks to Rumble and thanks to you for tuning in. Click subscribe on the channel if you enjoy the content that you're hearing today so you don't forget who we are and you can come back and join us. Every Monday through Friday, the Wake Up America show streams live from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, and we've got lots of great content, lots of great clips, topics, and of course, we have the best guests there are in the business. Every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central, we call it Big Brain Time on the show because I bring one of my good friends, Judge Andrew Napolitano, on the show. He and I worked together at the Fox Business Network for two wonderful years. Uh, I helped produce his show, Freedom Watch, and we both fought for economic freedom and personal liberty, and we still do today. The judge has his own show called Judging Freedom These Days, and it's a runaway hit. I think more people may even listen to watch that show than watched our show on Fox Business. But these days, Judge Andrew Napolitano keeps in the fight. He's still the tip of the spear in the fight for liberty here and around the world. And he's joining us live right now. Merry Christmas, Judge. Uh, thank you, Austin. Thank you for the generous introduction. Thank you for the memories. And Merry Christmas to you and your family and all your viewers and listeners. Glad to have you here. Judge, some people think that the Colorado Supreme Court may be giving judge, uh, maybe giving Donald Trump a gift that this might actually help his campaign. We can get to that in a moment. But what's your take on the constitutionality of the decision to throw Trump off the ballot? Well, I disagree with the uh, with the decision because I, I, I think that removing somebody from the ballot who otherwise qualifies for it should require a, a criminal conviction. I, I say that because the 14th Amendment is silent on the standards by which and and who decides uh, when a person can be removed from the ballot because they participated in an insurrection. Now, Colorado did hold a trial. Trump did not take the trial seriously because he didn't testify, but he did have lawyers in the courtroom who participated. And at the end of the trial, the judge, the judge decided there's enough evidence here from which I can conclude that Donald Trump uh, facilitated and participated in, uh, encouraged or helped an insurrection. And therefore, he should be barred from running for president, except that this is the trial judge's ruling. Because the 14th Amendment doesn't specifically say the presidency, I'm not going to bar him. Trump appeals that to a Colorado intermediate appellate court. The Supreme Court reaches down, takes it from the appellate court, the Colorado Supreme Court, and says, well, we are bound by the trial court's findings. The only issue is, are these findings 
sufficient enough to keep him off the ballot. And, and by a four to three vote, they said they are. This really puts the judiciary at the center of our uh, democratic lowercase d system rather than voters at the center of our uh, democratic system. So what's the practical effect of this? Well, if the Supreme Court does not take the case or takes it and doesn't disturb it, then Trump cannot appear on the ballot in Colorado and he cannot be elected president because a dozen or so other states will do the same thing. If the Supreme Court does take the case and lays down standards uh, for the government to, to meet before it can keep somebody's name off the ballot, then we're back to square one again. Remember, in the January 6th case against him before Judge Chutkin in federal court in Washington, he has not even been accused of aiding or abetting an insurrection. Uh, the special counsel was careful enough to avoid that thicket. So uh, my guess is the U.S. Supreme Court uh, will stay this on January 5th. They're, they're, they can do this by phone or Zoom. Even though they're home, they're not sitting in, in D.C., they're on their Christmas break. They give themselves a lot of breaks, but they're off for much of December, <laughs> but they're back on January 5th. The Colorado Supreme Court wisely stayed the effect of its own decision until January 4th. So it's up to the U.S. Supreme Court to extend that stay or to say we're not going to get involved. I can't imagine them not getting uh, involved. When the 14th Amendment was enacted, as Justice Scalia says, with a gun to the head of the southern states, ratify the 14th Amendment and we'll remove the troops from your streets. Remember, we had uh, military governance in the southern states from 1865 to, 17, uh, to 1876. Ratify the 14th Amendment and is over and the troops will leave. So they really had very little choice. However, when it was enacted, in my view, historically, and I'm not a professional historian, uh, the purpose of it was to prevent former Confederate soldiers and officials from entering the government after the war between the states. And the standards were very low. Oh, Austin Peterson in Missouri, I saw him in a Confederate uniform one day. Therefore, he's off the ballot. That was it. No challenge. Everybody accepted. But in the post-World War II era, the concept of due process, a trial at which fault is proven, has become more refined, thanks be to God. And the government's ability to interfere with life, liberty, uh, or property has required, uh, has a higher bar. And that higher bar, in my view, would mean, even though the 14th Amendment is silent on this, a criminal conviction. As I said, Trump hasn't even been charged, much less convicted. On the political side, this is a boon to him. All he's going to do is keep saying what he's saying. See, they'll do anything to keep me off the ballot. What are they going to do next? Shoot me? All he has to do is say something like that, and Republicans will rally to him, and independents will begin to think, gee, does he have something? Now, if he keeps talking about Mein Kampf, and uh, immigrants polluting uh, the bloodstream, he sounds like a madman. Uh, but when he talks about how the system is against him, this is another uh, a notch on his belt.
Judge, um, speaking of Confederates, what's your take on the reconciliation monument being removed from Arlington Cemetery? Personally, I find it to be disgusting and distasteful and, and cultural vandalism. But it seems as if the Democrats are going ahead with this. Um, what are your thoughts? I agree with you 100%. I also agree that it is criminal to try and change or erase history. We should not forget about slavery. We should not pretend that it uh, didn't happen. We should remember it so that it never happens uh, again. Uh, in efforts to reconcile the North and the South uh, after uh, Lincoln's death and after the war was over, should be commended, not uh, ignored or uh, obliterated. I mean, this is the problem with um, with politics. It, it's which way is the wind blowing? Which way do the Democrats or Republicans, the Republicans do the same thing, though not in this genre. Which way do they think they'll get, uh, they'll get more votes? There's no right or wrong in their minds. They'll argue it's right or wrong. They'll try and shame you. You know, you disagree with Netanyahu, therefore you hate the Jews. I mean, they, they go through this all the time. Um, and you have to ignore it, except when they're in power, then they do destroy cultural uh, artifacts. Judge, um, I'd like to speak to you about another statue. Um, I, I'm, your influence has been deep and profound on my life and my thinking, and I quite frequently will recall, if not conversations that we've had directly, uh, many of the public speeches that you have given, and of course, many of the columns that you write, and I, I love reading your weekly column at judgenap.com. But one of the more profound um, uh, uh, statements that you've issued was a discussion that you had about Sir Thomas More uh, and A Man for All Seasons. Uh, you will frequently quote that line from the the play or the movie when Thomas More talks about giving the devil himself the benefit of the law. Uh, I was sharing that clip this past week uh, in relation in regards to the debate about a different statue that was torn down in the Iowa State Capitol. Now, you are a strict pre-Vatican II Catholic, and I know that to you, the devil is the personification of all evil. Uh, I am a secular humanist, I, so I look at the world from a purely physical perspective, or a um, what we call a materialist perspective, and, and therefore, you know, we have different metaphysical views of, of, uh, of the universe, but we, both, we have a, a unifying principle of liberty, of economic freedom, personal liberty and limited government. And we see, you know, uh, if if there is a personification of evil in the world and it's not Satan, then it must be the government. I, I like to joke that what better place <laughs> for a statue of Satan than the government building, for, for example. But many of my friends, specifically many Catholics that I know, uh, argue that there are no religious protections for non-religious people meaning that the Satanists or the Church of Satan, who are largely atheists, don't actually worship Satan, they do not enjoy the benefit of the law. They do not enjoy the benefits of First Amendment protections of free speech to place their statue, which is, to them, not really a statue to anything. It's sort of rather how I see the world, which is, again, from a purely physical perspective, uh, and I know this is a tricky subject, you know, for you and I, and feel free to offend me if you like, Judge. <laughs> Just say whatever you like, you know, regards to your faith. And I understand, you know, that, uh, you know, that you it's deeply held to you and I respect your worldview. 
But do non-religious people also enjoy religious liberty in this country? Was the stat did the statue have any right to be there? Is it better to have everyone's religious symbols be included or to have no religious symbols included? Where do you stand on this debate, Judge? I, I well, desperately want to okay. know. Okay. Okay. I am largely uh with you. I say largely um only because my views spring from reason and revelation, your views spring from secular humanism, but we end up in the same place. So I condemn the destruction of this, destruction of private property. And and somebody owns it, either the government owns it or whoever the government is allowed to put it there owns it. Uh, and that uh, destruction is, um, is to be condemned. What that guy should have done was to take out his rosary and started to say Hail Marys in front of the Statue of Satan. <laughs> that would have gotten the result that he wanted. Look, this goes back to, uh, she was buried yesterday. This goes back to Sandra Day O'Connor and her lamentable and, in my view, often absurd compromises that produced uh, lukewarm jurisprudence. And uh, I can't remember the name of the case, but it basically says the government can put uh, a manger, a, a scene of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in a in a cave or 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 a lean-to on government property as long as it puts other symbols up and as long as it or puts a, a winter wonderland up. So I'm with Jefferson. There should be a separation between church and state. Everybody's views or non-views need to be respected and the government has no business saying well here's the jewish corner here's the muslim corner here's the atheist corner here's the pre-vatican II catholic corner here's the post-vatican II catholic corner that's nonsense it's not the function it's not the role of government so i hope i have uh i've clarified that for you i think we're on the same side on this of course judge and this is why i love you because you are, are because you have a limiting principle to your beliefs the the left the left destroys statues because they have no limiting principles and i think that the left celebrated the destruction of the satanic statue at the iowa capitol because they baited christian nationalists into abandoning their limiting principles and to essentially engaging the same behavior as black lives matter activists right they became Correct. they the christian nationalists have become cultural vandals in the same vein as the people who are tearing down the statues at Arlington Cemetery, do you agree? I do, I do. You know, um, uh, C.S. Lewis, the the great uh, English uh, writer, once said, and 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 hear me out on this before you uh, come to a conclusion. Uh, the greatest thing that Satan has accomplished is convincing us that he doesn't exist. By which I mean, in quoting that to these people that celebrated the destruction of the statue, there is no right and wrong, there's only power. Um, and, and that's all they want. They want the power to destroy a statue that they think will uh, offend their supporters so that their supporters will vote for them. Uh, they want to celebrate uh, this assault on the Satan thing because they want to be able to say to Christian nationalists, that many of whom you and I oppose everything they stand for, uh, aha! See, you'd got what you deserved. So this this is uh, this is wrong, and it stems from a belief that there is no right and wrong. There's only power, and these people that don't believe in right and wrong reject the natural law. They reject 
the concept that every human being using reason generally knows what's right and generally knows uh, what's wrong. Boy, the audience is really loving this this morning. They're definitely enjoying this conversation. Caleb, this is his first time being introduced to the judge, and he was asking what your show is called. It's called Judging Freedom, the judge's show you can find on any of your podcasts. And of course, subscribe to him over on YouTube. Judge Napolitano has his own YouTube page where you can follow his excellent show, Judging Freedom, as well. Judge, that was a great conversation. I love it. I wish we could talk for hours about things like cultural vandalism and and secularism and religion and religious liberty. And boy, would I love to talk to you about Christian nationalism and 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 um, the uh, economic nationalism of uh, people who are trying to centralize our economy uh, in the hands of a Republican state. It's it's unfortunate. I, I do have a guest coming up here soon, and we're going to talk about the push to try and stop the merger of U.S. Steel with the Japanese company. And um, I'm going to rip into the economic nationalists in that segment. But I want to talk to be because I have you here to talk now about legal questions. I have to ask you about the Jeffrey Epstein case. Speaking about the personification of evil. Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein's associates uh, may be ready to be revealed to the public uh, if there isn't some stay in the short term. Do you think this happens? I mean, what are the implications of this, Judge? I mean, whose name could be on the list? Let's let's conspiracy theorize. Let's have some fun. What do you say? Well, everybody wants to know if two former presidents are on this, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Excuse me. The list is apparently a list of people who uh, Epstein flew on his private jet to his private island and they spent time there. Now, whether they committed crimes there, whether they just had legal sex, uh, I don't know. And and I don't even know why this this judge, uh, Loretta Preska, is a friend of mine, a brilliant, gifted, highly, highly regarded uh, federal trial judge. I don't know the reason for the revelation of these names, but about 130 to 150 names are going to come out right uh, after uh, Christmas as having been involved with or received benefits from or spent time with Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know the reason for this. My understanding is that the uh, defamation cases involving Epstein and Professor Dershowitz and a couple of others have all been dismissed. Epstein is obviously uh, dead. So I don't know why this still has legs, but knowing Judge Preska as I do, I'm sure there's some profound uh, reason why she's uh, why she's doing this. But I don't know the facts in the case well enough to be able to tell you precisely why this is happening. Judge, do you think that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? No. No, I don't think he killed himself. I base that on the uh autopsy performed by michael Batten. you know when i was on the bench i tried a lot of cases that involved autopsies and had a lot of uh great coroners in my courtroom michael uh was the best now i know he was hired by the epstein family but i also know of his intellectual honesty uh, and his knowledge of the human body and he's demonstrated in a way to satisfy me that it would have been impossible for his neck to have broken the way it did uh by by himself um bill barr who was the attorney general uh, of the united states uh did not adequately investigate this the people that were supposed to be guarding and watching him were suspended for a couple of months and then got their jobs back the tapes of his uh uh so-called suicide somehow disappeared Nobody that looks beyond the surface here believes that he killed himself. 
Judge, talk to us about your show, Judging Freedom, and who you have coming up this week. <clears throat> well, it's um, it's a light week because you know it's the week uh, preceding Christmas, so I do have uh, Professor John Mearsheimer uh, coming up. I do have Scott Ritter coming up. They're both on on uh, Friday. Jeffrey Sachs is already been on. I have the great uh, Karen uh, Kwiatkowski today on the government and Christmas. I have the great Phil Giraldi today on the anti-Semitic moment, how Netanyahu has uh, succeeded in uh, tarnishing uh, Americans that disagree with his governmental policies by calling him anti-Semitic. And I have a new guy named Mike Benz who used to work for the CIA on how crazy the CIA is and how the CIA, you ready for this, uses rock bands and rock music to influence what people think. It's a new area for me, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to go. Glad to hear that, Judge. That sounds exciting. I'm definitely going to tune into that one. Your weekly column at JudgeNap.com is required reading. I always say to any of my Liberty friends, if they're looking for the best take on what's happening in the world today from a true North, true libertarian perspective that they need to read your weekly columns that come out on Thursdays at JudgeNap.com. So I hope that the hundreds of people who are tuning in, listening live right now, will definitely check that out and bookmark that website, Judge. This week, you had a Christmas message, a special Christmas message, and I hope that you'll share it with our listeners. Give us a little sneak preview, will you? Well, the column was called, What If Christmas Is Real? Uh, and it's about 75 uh, or 80. What if, what if, what if? Uh, what if Jesus really is God? What if, what if the creator of the universe really is a man? was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary and really does love us? What if God is reborn in our hearts? What if God wants to manipulate our hearts so that we will love the unlovable? So I, I do these what-if columns periodically, and I, I know some people don't like them, but that's all right, uh, in order to provoke people's thoughts and to, uh, and to stir the pot. So rather than something very syrupy at Christmas, I wrote this. Of course, I do have what-ifs in there about the government as God, the government replacing God in the lives of people and people accepting restraints and largesse from the government. So I had, of course, to uh, uh, to stick that in there. Don't ask me if Jesus was a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people say that he was a socialist, but we'll have to talk about that another time. Uh, Judge, I think I think if more Christians were like you, sir, then it, may, it would make people like me want to be one again. Thank you very much for being a good representative. The highest, the highest compliment you can pay me. Thank you. Now, are we off next week? We're off next week. Yes, Judge. So we'll have a Merry Christmas and we will see you. We will be back again the week after. Um, thank you for everything you've done for us this year, Judge. I know that part of our success has been because people love to tune into our uh, our conversations that we have every Wednesday. And, uh, you, you know, this is the greatest Christmas gift is that our, our friendship. So thank you very much, sir. And our, Merry our, Christmas. Uh, our friendship just keeps getting richer and better with the passage of time. My only regret is that we're not in the same room anymore. <laughs> Mine too, Judge. Have a wonderful day and Merry Christmas to you. God bless you and your family. Thank you, Austin. And you as well. Thank you. What do you guys think of Judge? Napolitano, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586 is the text line. We still got lots more great show to go, but I do want to take a very brief little moment and remind you that over at APforLibertyShop.com, we are getting ready to say goodbye to our Martha's oh. Mint Coffee. Yeah. 
I know a lot of you really enjoyed the mint coffee, and I stocked up a couple of bags before the season is over because it will be going away. If you enjoyed our delicious Martha's Mint Coffee, you already had it. You better go and order a couple of bags before it goes away at the end of the month. You can get it at ap4libertyshop.com. But I wanted to show you guys because I know some of you may not be aware, but we just added a new product line of custom metal Liberty signs over at ap4libertyshop.com. And this one we sold, so we've sold two signs so far, which is pretty exciting for us. But a lot of you may not have known that this custom steel sign that we have, you can actually choose which kind of rifle you want on it. And it comes in multiple colors and multiple sizes uh, from 12 inches all the way up to 30 inches. These are indoor and outdoor signs. Here's the cool thing about this one. And we do have not just, um, you know, rifles, but we've got 1776. These are the, the hangers that you can get for it. These are cool custom magnetic hangers. Um, and we've got American Eagles, um, all sorts of awesome custom metal signs of different sizes. But this one is really cool. God bless America. We sold one of those last week. But take a look at this. For this rifle one, you can actually personalize not only the, the message that's underneath the rifle, but you can also choose which rifle you want. So let's say we chose a black rifle uh, and we want it to be the big one. Let's say 30 inches in size. Uh, the bottom text can be, let's say it says, come and take it, right? Uh, and then you can either get a 50 cal sniper rifle like the Barrett. You can get an American sniper rifle. Pretty cool. A Russian sniper rifle. Look at that. Everybody loves the Russian sniper rifle in Call of Duty, right? Uh, an American hunting rifle. The SCAR, which is a pretty cool assault rifle. Um, M4. Come and take it. That's the uh, one that the U.S. military uses an AR-15 style, or you can also do AK-47, which is my favorite. I don't know why I know. I know, Austin, you're a communist. You like the communist guns. Uh, and then you can choose how many of them you want and put it in your cart, right? Um, they're All of our custom metal signs are on sale until the end of the year at 26% off. So if you want to get your own cool custom metal sign, I highly recommend that you do it now at apforlibertyshop.com. Customize your cool custom metal sign and then head over and grab yourself a bag of Martha's Mint Coffee before the end of the year because it's almost going to run out. All right, now, U.S. Steel. This is the corporation that manufactures steel in the United States. Might get sold to Japan. People are freaking out. But my next guest, Patrick Hedger, is going to tell you why. Don't worry. Love Japan. Domo arigato, Mr. Rabato. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Konnichiwa. Welcome to Wake Up America Show. I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Welcome to the Wake Up America Show. It's the Wake Up America Show. Not Wake Up Japan. Here we speak American. We don't speak Japanese. The Japanese are taking over. What is this, the 1980s? Hell no. We don't want Japan to take over our industry. Soon they'll take over the world. As the great Andrew Dice Clay said, what was in those two bombs? Fertilizer, eh? What the hell is Austin Peterson talking about? All right, just read the news, okay? Welcome to Wake Up America show, where we talk about everything economic freedom and personal liberty. Let's talk about some economic freedom today. U.S. Steel might be sold to Nippon Steel. That's a Japanese company. What does that mean for the American working class? Well, U.S. Steel apparently is a national security concern? Yeah, lawmakers in Washington, D.C. do not want this deal to go down. Democrats and Republicans alike are questioning the wisdom of allowing an American industrial icon to fall into foreign hands. 
Let's bring in somebody who knows a little bit more than most about the topic. We used to work together at Freedom Works. He's Patrick Hedger, and he's from the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. How you doing, Pat? Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me. All right, so give us, our, our listeners, just a brief breakdown of what's going on. There's U.S. Steel. It's an old American company. It's been around for a while. They've had some financial problems, and they might be putting themselves up for sale. Some people in Japan want to buy it. That's bad. What's the story? Yeah, uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, U.S. Steel has long been uh, a kind of a wounded animal uh, for a lot of different reasons. Labor costs, environmental regulations. It's really hard. I mean, steel is a very energy intensive need a lot of coal, um, produce a lot of emissions type business. Um, and uh, so again, it's kind of been a, a, a bit of a zombie industry here in the United States for a while, especially because we're able to source coal and steel overseas for far, you know, reduced costs compared to the, you know, the huge costs that you would have for such an industry in the United States. But um U.S. Steel has long lobbied for lots of different types of protection from steel tariffs, which the Trump administration put in place and, and the Bush administration actually put in place briefly as well, um, to uh, these various Buy America rules that you see in uh, infrastructure packages to, to force um, local governments when they're building infrastructure to use American-made steel sourced from companies like U.S. Steel. Um, but now U.S. Steel has agreed to be sold to a Japanese company, um, Nippon Steel. And the main reason Nippon Steel wants to buy U.S. Steel is so that they can comply with Buy America rules. And now the same people that put in place those Buy America rules and those kinds of trade protectionists that we see on both sides of the aisle are up in arms about a Japanese company simply trying to comply with the rules they put in place. Okay, so what's the problem that J.D. Vance and John Fetterman have with this? They're concerned about the loss of American jobs? Yeah. You know, what's really ironic about this is there's a, a part, a section in J.D. Vance's own book, Hillbilly Elegy, where he talks about the company that his father used to work for being acquired by a Japanese company. And people were initially worried about it. And then they realized that that came with new investment and actually protection for their jobs. And the similar thing is happening here. That this A Japanese company is injecting capital into a U.S. company. The mills will stay open that still exist here in the United States with U.S. steel. It's really just the ownership change, right? And and, and the, the profits go back to the publicly traded Nippon Steel, um, but the jobs stay here in the United States. So all that seems to be happening here, I think, is some mild xenophobia, to be honest. Um, the idea that a foreigner could control U.S. Steel, um, it, it, it's really misplaced, especially when the foreigners we're talking about are the Japanese, right? These are our, arguably our greatest allies on the planet. And, and if we don't trust the Japanese, then why are we parking aircraft carriers in Japan? Uh, so there are more U.S. military assets in Japan than most states. There are more U.S. service members in Japan than any other country besides the United States itself. So this idea that there's some sort of national security concern here is like if we can't trust the Japanese, apparently we can't trust anybody. Yeah, no, for sure. But here's what I'm seeing uh, out there on Twitter or in CAS says that this idea that American um, uh, companies should be allowed to sell or trade their assets to whoever they please, that that is incompatible with democratic capitalism as understood anywhere outside an arcane libertarian bubble. He says the marketplace has always been and must always be subject to democratic political control. 
exercising that control is a part of democracy, not a threat to it. How would you respond to Orrin Cass? Yeah, I mean, well, that sounds like the premise of the Soviet Union is that we're all going to get together and vote on every economic decision in our little Soviets like that. It's a, it's a completely antithetical position to the, what the U.S. aspires to. Now, we do do plenty of voting on and taking away of people's property and economic rights, but those aren't good things. Those aren't things that we usually aspire to. Those should be really rare instances. And I don't you know, I, I thought conservatives used to fight against things like, uh, you know, uh, eminent domain, right, where we have voted away your property rights. And, you know, the idea that that a, a U.S. corporation can't sell ownership stakes uh, to foreigners well, then shut down the New York Stock Exchange, right? Like that is I mean, the, the idea that people can't come and invest in U.S. corporations um, is ridiculous. I mean, the, the some of the protectionists, you know, their their greatest victories, if you will, are are driving production of of automobiles and aircraft. Uh, and predominantly in the U.S. South, um, because those are states where uh, you have right to work laws. Um, but so I, I don't know what Orrin's talking about. He seems to be making up a lot of things as he goes because he's trying to essentially play to, um, you know, populist sensibilities within the, the Republican Party. And he's doing so being funded by very heavily left wing organizations. So see, um, I see I see nationalism as being something that is pro capitalism. If you're if you're pro America, then you're pro market. And these are decisions that are if you're if you're saying that it needs to be held democratically, these are progressive left wing views of government that are fundamentally incompatible with conservatism. And because, you know, if you're looking at this from a, a historical perspective, you could say, oh, well, Teddy Roosevelt was a progressive Republican. Yeah, but he was not an economic conservative. And I mean, they, they, these people despise Ronald Reagan. They despise libertarians and, and they despise economic freedom. I mean, they call themselves economic nationalists, but it's emphasis on the nationalism and de-emphasis on the, uh, on the, economics. I kind of call I call this uh, the national conservatism. I say it's uh, it's basically just Bernie Sanders, but it goes to church on Sunday. Right. M less economics, more ecumenics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of a good way to put it. I mean, really what you see here, the, the type of conservatism that we've seen kind of grow um, in the wake of Donald Trump is a lot of the a European style conservatism that is rooted in that sort of blood and soil conservatism, which American conservatism is the, defined as the con conservation of the ideas of the founding, which were classically liberal ideas. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing that a kind of a, a shift back to that blood and soil conservatism that we used to see on the continent, which this country was founded on sort of trying to get away from. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's really unfortunate. And I mean, really just looking at the examples, right? If you play out what they want to happen to companies like U.S. Steel, these sort of national champions, if you play it out to its logical extent, I, I would you know, we need to preserve this industry and American ownership and manufacturing of X product for national security reasons. Look no further than the shipping industry. The Jones Act was explicitly a national security law after World War One, after the Kaiser was sinking, you know, U-boats were sinking uh, ship, uh, you know, Atlantic trade ships. Um, that we need to have a production of ships and 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 uh, you know a thriving domestic shipping industry that doesn't have to uh, that isn't going to be undercut by by global competitors and leave us in a position where we can't make ships anymore. Well, the Jones Act's been on the books for over a hundred years now, and we can't make ships anymore. <laughs> that industry has not been had to compete, which means it has grown weak and ineffective. 
and the U.S. Navy struggles to get ships on time and on cost. Um, and we basically have no domestic shipping industry to speak of or shipbuilding industry to speak of, all in the name of national security. So if you play out what they want to happen to U.S. Steel to its logical extent, and this has happened to a certain extent because that has been such a protected industry, um, you see these industries that are supposedly really important for national security beginning to wither away and die. It's interesting. My dad is texting me right now. He's listening in. He says that, well, Larry Kudlow says he's fine with the Japanese owning the business. Let's give it up for dad. My dad's always staying on top of what's happening. <laughs> If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, and I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you are, good morning. Thank you to Rumble.com for joining us, uh, for putting us on the front page this morning and helping there to be a, a wider audience for these ideas. Uh, we do fight for economic freedom on the Wake Up America show, and sometimes that's not popular because it's way more popular to say, we have to protect American industry and we need to have democracy controlling the industries. It's like, Listen, I don't want the government telling me whether or not I can sell my For Liberty shop. And you know what? Frankly, the truth of the matter is, is some of the products that I sell in my shop are made in China because the cost of doing business here in the United States is prohibitively high. But that's because we voted to make it too expensive to do business here in the United States to create these products. If we lower taxes, if we lower regulations, then I think that it'll be a lot easier, easier for us to manufacture a lot of these products uh, here in the United States, but that's another conversation to have. Let's make this a little tough on you. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate on this one, and I want you to, um, I want you to uh, fight me on this one here, Patrick, a little bit. Now, Japan is one thing. I love Japan. I visited Japan earlier this year. Speak a little Japanese. Me and my wife, like, pretty much, I'm, I'm, I'm into everything Japanese except for anime. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, China is a separate matter. Uh, you know, every corporation in China has to, by law, have ties to the Chinese Communist Party. There is a national security question when we're doing business with China. There is a national security question. You know, here in, in the state of Missouri, for example, they had to shut down a school that was set up. I can't I think it was called the Confucius Institute because it was basically a hotbed for Chinese spies. Right. And people say, oh, well, what about freedom of speech and educational freedom? Uh, well, we're basic. We were allowing all of these Chinese spies to come here, be educated and to commit acts of subterfuge against the United States. So what if U.S. Steel was, for example, being purchased by a Chinese corporation that had ties to the Chinese Communist Party? Still going to stand uh, firm on your views on this? Yeah, China presents an interesting uh, problem there, and I think it kind of varies industry to industry. Uh, something that the the Trump FCC did was go after Chinese providers of telecommunications infrastructure, right? Because you can hack into telecommunications infrastructure and you can cause a lot of problems. Um, so having that stuff built into our telecommunications networks does present a legitimate national security concern. As far as Chinese exporting steel to us, it's hard to hack steel right? Steel is steel. And if they're dumping steel on the global market, then we should just buy it up and stockpile it, right? You know, buying plungers and stuff from China doesn't present a national security threat. Um, but, you know, I think China, like I used to live in Hong Kong. I have no trust for the mainland Chinese government. I mean, they, they lie and steal at every corner. Uh, they violate every international agreement that they're a part of. So it is important to be skeptical of, of certain things that, that we're doing with China. Um, you know, so maybe but, preventing like perhaps Chinese takeover of semiconductor industries in the United States might be wise, but buying steel or 
you know, dummy products, if you will, less of a concern? Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, but there's something that also happened that the protectionists that are upset about the sale of U.S. steel were also behind, which was the ending of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership was explicitly designed to incentivize companies to, that are already invested in Asia to move out of China, right? Move into Vietnam, which Vietnamese can't stand China. Um, move into Indonesia, move into you know the Philippines, Japan, South Korea. Um, invest there, invest in countries that have better relationships with the United States rather than China. And because of the mistaken nature of trade protectionism, the TPP was shot down by the Trump administration even though that was effectively an economic NATO against China. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm, I, I, I agree with the national security concerns about China. It's just that when we tried to do the most productive thing about that, the protectionists also shot that down too. Um, so they're not, you know, there's just this idea that unless it's made in America, it's no good. Um, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't jive with reality. Yeah, no, I agree. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm speaking to Patrick Hedger of the Taxpayers Protection Alliance. We're talking to him a little bit about this deal to sell U.S. steel to a Japanese company. Um, and just to put a, a gift bow on top of this topic here and make sure that people understand, if the sale goes through, then there would still be jobs here in the United States. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. The whole point of Nippon Steel wanting to buy U.S. steel is because they want to sell to U.S. infrastructure projects, and you have to comply with Buy America rules to 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 actually bid those projects. So you have to have assets in the United States to, to actually make that steel. Um, so the idea that like they would just buy up U.S. steel and then shut down all the mills would be shooting themselves in the foot. Um, so yeah, the, and, and that's the whole point of the deal is actually to move production into the United States to be able to comply with these arbitrary rules that drive up the cost of infrastructure. So Buy America is a whole other conversation. But uh, the, in the immediate term, there's there's no plan to, to actually remove any jobs from the United States. In fact, this in, injection of foreign investment is probably going to save jobs for a U.S. steel that, again, was kind of limping along and limping towards a grave. You ever seen that uh, Michael Keaton movie, Gung Ho? I don't think I have. Oh, see, I recommended, highly recommended viewing. It's uh, from the 1980s, but it's uh, about a small town factory that manufactures vehicles that gets bought out by a Japanese company. And Michael Keaton has to intermediate between the Japanese ownership and the, the car manufacturers to try and make a deal that, you know, makes everybody happy. And it's, it's a really interesting cultural exchange that, that shows like the, and this was back when we actually did fear that Japan was going to take over everything. But I mean, even from a geopolitical perspective, Patrick, if you're looking, because this is what they're doing, they're trying to say, oh, this is this is about geopolitics. This isn't necessarily about jobs, although that is part of it. But they're like, oh, we have to protect American um, national security, which is where J.D. Vance and, and John Fetterman are coming from on this one. But even if you're taking that tack, it would be better for us to have a strong Japan because Japan hates China probably more than we do. Am I right? Yeah, there's a much longer uh, cultural tension there and uh, international tension between the, the Chinese and the Japanese uh, than certainly uh, us and the Chinese. Um, Japan is our, you know, again, there, there are more U.S. military personnel in Japan than any other country besides the United States. With, I mean, the, the, a U.S. naval fleet is home-based in Japan. Um, and so the, and there, the, that means we have nuclear weapons and nuclear-powered ships in Japan. If we didn't trust them as one of our greatest partners, 
um, then there's nobody that we can trust. Um, so, you know, but, you know, I, I also look at folks that are worried about, you know, Japan's, you know, economic dominance. Again, this this old idea from the 1980s. Um, Japan is a bit of a wounded animal itself economically. I mean, it, it's sad to see. It's kind of tragic that this is a country where the population is shrinking. Their debt to GDP ratio, if you thought the U.S. debt is bad, which our debt's a little around, over 100 percent GDP, Japan's is over 200 percent GDP. Um, so this is a country that is not eating anybody's lunch economically, uh, certainly not ours. No, for sure. Our friend Erz mommy over in the chat says, oh, my God, my daughter-in-law, you mentioned China to her. Steam comes out of her ears. She says stuff in Japanese. It sounds pretty bad. <laughs> LOL. Very funny. Patrick, um, Merry Christmas. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? No, absolutely. You know, just, you know, stay vigilant on these things. Don't don't give in to the gut and knee jerk reactions on these things. Uh, you know, economics is a lot more complicated than the populists like to make out. So um, but, uh, you know, really appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners. Patrick, you're one of the very few true libertarians still out there, still standing for freedom, still doing what's right. It's very inspiring. I hope people will follow you at Pat underscore Hedger over on x.com. Thanks for your time and Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas, thanks. Patrick Hedger, what'd you guys think? Give him a round of applause, eh? Good stuff. You can text the show. Um, my dad texted me personally, so he has the direct line to me, but you can text me at the text line at 573-319-1586. Again, that's 573-319-1586. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on in the world. Did you guys see that John Stossel clip? I want to recommend it. I don't have time to play it. Um, <clears throat> I'll pull it up and just play about a minute of it for you where he was talking about driverless cars coming in the future. I always like to plug my good friend John Stossel's show, which he did a new special about artificial intelligence that will be driving our cars soon. Let's just peek in, take a listen in the for a couple of minutes. The driverless car is here. Sensors and software allows it to move through the city on its own. On its own? Really? Well, yes, it does. We all going to be going out getting drunk on a Friday night, getting getting a drink on, and then just getting the driverless finally, car, baby. I say finally, because for years, car <laughs> companies promised cars that would drive themselves. We're all set for auto control. Here's a GM concept car from 70 years ago. Hands off steering. But the driverless car kept not happening. Until now. Now, Google has harnessed artificial intelligence to create a car called Waymo, which stands for Way Forward Mobility. The self-driving car will change our lives. My executive producer, Maxim Lott, went to San Francisco and Phoenix. Maxim, you guys know Maxim Lott. Maxim's been on our show a few times. You know, election betting odds. He's the he's the son of John Lott, who wrote the book More Guns, Less Crime. The whole Lott family, L-O-T-T's, are all like hardcore libertarians. The absolutely brilliant. Like these are these are guys who like I get intimidated hanging around them because they've got IQs that are like you talk about big brain. It's like there's like my brain at like you know 115 IQ maybe. Judge Napolitano at like 130, 135 IQ. And then there's Maxim Lott and his dad, John Lott, and they're like galaxy brain, 225 IQ. Anyway, here's here's Maxim talking about the AI car or doing the report on the AI cars. To learn more about it. Here's his report. It works kind of like Uber. You open the Waymo app, request a ride, and within minutes, a driverless car just shows up. The wheel moves itself. 
like a ghost is driving. Scary. Start ride. That's kind of scary, not gonna lie. Alex Roy rode with me. He once worked for a driverless car company. We sat in the back. No one needs to sit in the front. There is nothing more exciting than getting in the back of a Waymo for the first time. By exciting, he means terrifying. <laughs> and then watching the steering wheel just turn itself. Regulators in San Francisco and Phoenix allow this because Waymo cars can handle all sorts of difficult situations, like this upcoming left turn on a busy road. There could be oncoming traffic, and you're turning against them traffic and so you've got to time the gap between vehicles correctly waited for the cars i love riding waymos they drive mellow they take side streets it's a consistently good experience that looks nice but what happens when the car says i'm afraid i can't do that dave here the car makes a u-turn that's tricky too because cars can come from any direction and yet with millions of miles driven on public roads they've had zero fatalities Zero deaths and zero injuries. How do the cars manage that? With incredibly sophisticated sensors, both at the top and all over the sides of the cars. These sensors constantly shoot out invisible lasers that bounce back and tell the car precisely where things are. Okay, it's badass. Still scary, but pretty badass. Which allows the Waymo driver to visualize the world around it in milliseconds. The magic of self-driving cars is not just sensors, but the AI, the artificial intelligence. These cars operate like a human nervous Sensors and radar are the eyes and ears. The brain is thousands of algorithms trained by billions of simulated trips. Pretty cool. The more robocars drive, the more they learn, and the smarter and safer they get. They're already better than people. And now- Probably true. The big safety problem is people not robocars. Most Waymo accidents happen when a human driver hit it. The Waymo driver was stopped at a red light when another driver ran a red light and slammed into them. I'm an autonomous driving automobile. Another self-driving car, Cruise, is almost as good as Waymo, but it has had a couple of bigger accidents. As a result, California is suspending the use of GM's cruise driverless vehicles, saying they're not safe enough for the public. When accidents happen, regulators' instinct is always to ban the new idea. Fortunately, California and Arizona regulators exercised unusual restraint. Waymo still operates freely in these two large parts of San Francisco and Phoenix. Mm. This increases safety because, as Alex Roy says, I'm a lot more concerned about the humans driving drunk, which happens every day. Not True. just driving drunk. 6,000 of us die every year because we fall asleep while driving. Mm. Hundreds die while texting. Driverless cars would save many lives. Probably true. Still, many people I talk to in San Francisco hate the cars. Mm -hmm. First responders complained. They freeze in front of us. It's still, it's still a 15 to 30 minute fix waiting for a technician. That's, that's time we don't have when a building's on fire. The mm. driverless car companies say they'll make adjustments to let first responders move the cars in an emergency. Good. We've heard that too, but it hasn't happened. They're not perfect in every possible scenario yet. What if a hacker gets into Waymo and yes. hacks a thousand robo-taxis at once to go off the road? These what-ifs don't make much sense because for every technology that's ever arrived, there was a what-if. The what-ifs played out. What if a Zeppelin was filled with the wrong gas and struck a tower? Well, we know the answer to that. 
solutions arrived, and everybody moved on. But some problems will be hard to solve. They're already jeopardizing public safety. People fear robots and change. Yes, we do. We fear robots and we fear change. (laughs) You guys remember the movie uh, Wayne's World when uh, the chick uh, approached Garth and uh, what was not the chick? It was uh, Rob Lowe's character was like, oh, there's going to be some changes. And he's like, we fear change. (laughs) This was an awesome show today, don't you think? I mean, it was fun. Everybody got to participate, even Papa Peterson. What is today, Wednesday? Two more days to go, then it's Christmas time, and I'll be off next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I know, back Thursday, Friday. Well, here's the thing, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. I think I'm gonna be able to steal my brother, Justin, Justin Peterson, and bring him back, so I might even be able to get my brother, Justin, on set in studio next week. Who knows? We'll see. I can't believe we've got so many hundreds and hundreds of people watching. I hate to leave when I've got that many people, but you know what? Sometimes you got to go. Before we do, though, just a quick reminder. Three things, okay? Are you able to keep three things in your brain? Please do so. Do me a favor. Show is over. Go to my website, ap4libertyshop.com. You can even just type in for Liberty Shop. You don't even have to type the AP. Just type in For Liberty Shop. Go to ForLibertyShop.com. It'll take you there. But at the shop, Martha's Mint Coffee is going away. No, I know. No, Get the orders God, in please, now. No, if you like no, them. Uh, it's true. No, it's no. going away. Hurry up and get yourself a bag of Martha's Mint coffee before it's gone, because it will be gone very soon. Assault Garden Gnomes, almost gone. No, God! No, I know, I know. Don't boo. No, gone. Listen, listen. I've got four Garden Gnomes left. It says only 20 in stock. That was yesterday morning. There are four left. Get your gnomes carrying a machine gun ASAP. AP4LibertyShop.com or 4LibertyShop.com. Assault Garden Gnomes. There's only four left, okay? And custom metal signs. Order yours today. Get them in. They ship pretty quick, three to five days on shipping. You can get awesome different machine guns, write whatever you want it to say underneath, pick which gun you want, what size you want, Austin Peterson, you know, have your kid's name underneath it, choose which rifle you want, AR-15s, AK-47s, and it's not just guns. We've got 1776, we've got a bald eagle, we've got um, all kinds of awesome custom metal signs that you can design. We've got the American flag cross, the Liberty Bell, home, all kinds of beautiful things. Go to apforlibertyshop.com, grab a bag of Martha's Mint, grab a garden gnome, and order yourself a custom metal sign, and have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com.